0: The next episode of Nerd, Flicks, and Chill will start in 3, 2, 1, zero.
1: Hey everybody, this is Nick and you're listening to the Nerd, Flicks, and Chill podcast and we have some pretty big news today as the Trailer for Season 8 of Game of Thrones finally hit, and of course, wouldn't you know, Carrie is in Croatia at the moment, so she's unable to uh, be on the show today, but I do have a special guest joining me. Uh, She is a comedian and founder of Project Thalia, Angela Hamilton. Angela, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Yes. So before we get into talking about Game of Thrones, I know you're a fan of the show, right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely
1: awesome, but you have an organization called Project Thalia. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, sure. So Project Thalia is a production company that I founded um, to create and promote more opportunities for women in comedy. And it's people who identify as women, people of color, LGBTQ+, non-binary. It's really just the supportive, inclusive environment uh, for people to present different perspectives in a comedic setting. Um, we do a monthly showcase in D.C., and that's going pretty well. We actually have a pretty uh, big market for people who want to hear female comedians, so that's awesome. Um, we also have an open mic that we're starting and a partnership in New York City that'll start on March 16th.
1: Awesome. So if our audience wanted to know more about Project Value, where would they go?
0: Um, they can find us on Facebook or Instagram. Um, we also have a website. That's uh, Project Thalia DC blog. So just Google that and you'll okay. find it.
1: Awesome. So Project Thalia, that's T-H-A-L-I-A?
0: Yes. It's after the Greek muse of comedy.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So Game of Thrones is full of comedy, but not usually really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Not the kind that makes you feel good. <laughs>
1: right. I <yeah>, know. <laughs> uh, so you've been a Game of Thrones fan for a little while now, right? I have. Yes. I think you've seen all the episodes. I have. And how, did the trailer for season eight excite you? Did it get you fired up? Are you ready for this?
0: I wanted to run around my apartment screaming in circles. Like, it's, I, there's so much, I can't even form words. Yeah. I'm so excited.
1: No, I totally agree. There's a lot in here that we are going to kind of break down, but I think one of the things kind of right off the bat that this trailer really establishes is the stakes. Like, I feel like, there's this sense of anticipation that lingers throughout the trailer. This kind of like, um, uh, there's a lot of uh, imagery that is evocative of the Helm's Deep battle from Lord of the Rings. And one of the great things about that battle in that film is the anticipation of it, the kind of being on the edge of it, and the kind of calm before the storm. And I feel like this trailer is that.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I think it gives us a little bit of the taste of the battles that are to come, but mostly it's just a full dose of suspense.
1: Yeah, and I think right off the bat you get some interesting contrast uh, with Arya, right? Oh, yeah. So what did you think of, of that kind of opening sequence with Arya in the trailer?
0: Well, it's so strange because we haven't seen Arya scared, like, ever. Right. You know, she's always ready for a fight, so to see her scared and to see her face, like, have scars from a recent battle, like, that was very different. Like, what's in store for her?
1: Yeah. They do a little bit of cross-cutting that I think is interesting where they cut from Arya talking about, you know, seeing all sorts of death and you know all this other stuff where she seems stoic and they're cross-cutting that with her running horrified. So that contrast I think really sets up the stakes. It's basically saying these are your heroes they're in real danger.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean Arya isn't afraid of death. You know, what does she say to the Lord of Death? Not today. Right. So, like, what does make her scared? Right. Like, I'm scared to see what makes her scared. Right.
1: There's some interesting speculation that can be drawn uh, based off of what she may be seeing. And we'll maybe kind of get into that as we go. There's a, a neat little theory that I saw kind of planted out on uh, the interwebs earlier today that I think is very exciting and would be horrifying. So we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later as we get into it. But, but right away... I think the trailer did a really great job of establishing the stakes of this thing. Uh, We also see a shot of Davos walking along the battlements of Winterfell. We get this shot of Varys kind of hold up with the other non-fighting people in Winterfell uh, in the crypts. What did you think of them hiding in the crypts?
0: I thought it was really interesting. It also reminded me of when um, Cersei is hiding in the Red Keep. Mm. Uh, during the battle in Season 2.
1: Yeah, the uh, Blackwater.
0: Blackwater, yep. Um, It made me think of that. But I thought it was also interesting because Varys looks scared. And that's another person where... Okay, all right, I get it. And I'm starting to get it as they're saying it. Like They want us to see that people are scared. Those are the stakes you were talking about. But Varys is another character where he only uses fear... Like, as a tool to get reactions from other people, but Mm. now he's genuinely scared. Right. So what's got him scared?
1: Right, yeah. 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 And I feel like now, we've spent so much time with these characters through the first seven seasons of this show that, you know, the politics and the maneuvering and all that stuff is now kind of out the window, and it's pure survival now. Like, to me... One of the things that was so great about the show in its early seasons is the political maneuvering was always kind of really, really fun to watch because it reflected kind of real life politics in a a certain way. But now there is no maneuvering left to be done. Like there's no maneuvers that can be made. There's no weaseling your way out of this with some strange alliances. This is a battle of the living versus the dead. And I I think that's kind of an interesting aspect to it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And I did just mention previously, previously. We may talk about this, but the idea of hiding in the crypts is really, really interesting. Because, uh, and, and this this is the fan theory that I that I heard kind of bandied about today. Um, one of the things about the crypts of Winterfell is that the old kings of Winter that are down there in those crypts, those old Starks from generations ago all have iron swords, and the theory behind the iron swords is that they keep the vengeful spirits locked in the crypts. And what if... And this is kind of crazy way out there, but, like, what if those crypts come alive? Like, what if the Starks of old come to life in this thing? Uh, That would be something that would scare the hell out of Arya.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That would be insane, especially because... Like, Ned Stark doesn't have a head. Yes,
1: you know? yes. Headless Ned Stark running around. That that would evoke that kind of reaction from Arya. Uh, old headless Ned. Although, it would be pretty great to watch him get some revenge on some people.
0: Oh my god, it would be amazing.
1: But then again, he would probably be fighting for the side of the dead. Although, that would truly... That would also... Because there is so much... Um, there is so much reminiscent of Lord of the Rings that would be something right out of Lord of the Rings where Aragorn has the army of the dead that's true you know it would be kind of cool if uh, if that was something that, that came to be but I feel like the crypts hold so many secrets and I don't know if there, we're gonna have the old kings of winter being reanimated but I do think we're gonna have a lot of important scenes taking place in there
0: yeah kings of winter against army of the dead it's like that, that would be awesome. Kings
1: of Winter would be a cool band name. <laughs> uh, so we also get some shots of Euron Greyjoy and his fleet of ships ferrying the Golden Company. Uh, as we saw in Season 7, Cersei and Euron Greyjoy had a bit of a ruse where Euron pretended to flee to the Iron Islands, but he was actually going to ferry the Golden Company over as an army of sellswords swords. That uh, Cersei will have at her disposal. To me, this move feels... It feels shaky. This does not feel like a wise move on Cersei's part.
0: Ooh. Why not?
1: Well, I don't know. I just feel like Euron Greyjoy is not trustworthy. No. And he's now coming over with an army.
0: Yeah. I feel like the Greyjoys have established that they are not trustworthy people. And that they're um, loyal to themselves alone. Um... But also, I'm getting... I just watched um, a YouTube video, and I'm so sorry. I can't remember who produced it, but the history of the Dothraki defeating the, the uh, Second Sons, mm-hmm. isn't it? This is kind of reminiscent of that, I mm-hmm. feel like.
1: Okay. Yeah. I see that. you get know what I'm that.
0: saying? Have you seen that video?
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know the one you're speaking of. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like this is the thing. Like. The thing about mercenaries is they're not loyal to a house. They're not loyal to a banner or a flag or a city. They're loyal to whoever's paying them. Right. And if Euron Greyjoy has some other way to reward them, are they really Cersei's army or are they Euron's? Like, I don't know. I feel like that is a tenuous relationship at best. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if Cersei is aware of that or not. Uh, I I don't know I I don't know where that's going but it will be cool to see some cell swords coming over uh, the uh the actual armor that they wear looks really cool so I'm excited to see that um you know they they ride elephants I don't I don't see any elephants in the shot that we get of the golden company but it'd be cool to see
0: um that'll be really interesting if they end up switching sides and then which side are they gonna go to
1: right right and I think that's part of what I really Am looking forward to about this season is kind of understanding the whole thing uh within like the context of you have the knight's king and his army moving down to the south so obviously winterfell is kind of the first line of defense but then what after that do they run roughshod over winterfell and make their way to king's landing are they held off and then there's another battle at king's Landing. It, it there's a lot to resolve and not a lot of time to resolve it. Right. We also get a shot of Cersei looking at uh, what we assume is the gold co- Golden Company coming ashore, maybe. Uh, she looks pretty smug, and Kyburn looks a little bit concerned, and the mountain just looks like a big dude standing in the background. Uh, what do you make of this?
0: First of all, I am all here for Cersei's black and gold um, outfits. Like, they're... So freaking amazing and Cersei is just that character that you love to hate, right? She, is. she looks so prolific, um, staring out, and she has that mysterious gaze where I'm sure she is looking at um the the sellswords, the golden company, but we don't really know what she's looking at. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. She could be looking at any number of things. Right. Could be the golden company, because they were just teed up the shop before, or it could be something else. It could be uh it could be a losing band of heroes from the remnants of winterfell coming at her as well i don't know uh but she certainly is at her smuggiest
0: yes every time they showed cersei i was thinking that she's getting news that uh the starks have fallen yes like cuz that seems to be the look on her face like oh good they're gone yeah.
1: the heedy smirk is a really great thing to watch it is tm and of course kybern also wearing the hand of the queen pin uh, so he is the hand at the time. Then we get some interesting confirmation that Beric Dundarian and Tormund Giantsbane are alive and well. Woohoo! Yeah, they were in a pretty perilous situation there at the end of season seven, but uh, they they look to be doing okay here. We also get flaming sword. Get a flaming sword. Yeah, uh, they're also with Dolores Ed, who uh, is is back. We. I don't know where they are exactly. I don't know if Beric and Tormund, because they were at Eastwatch when the wall fell. So does that mean they went to Castle Black? I would guess it would have to mean that because that's where Ed would be, kind of watching over the Night's Watch. But we don't know if they're gonna. I mean, obviously, you would think that the Night's Watch would have to make their way south, wouldn't you? Like they can't I really do much so. at the wall when it's broken. Exactly. But it does Ooh. confirm that they're alive. Go ahead.
0: Unless they all go to the broken part of the wall. That would be crazy. That would be like a massacre. Never mind. Forget that theory. Canceling it.
1: (laughs) Gotcha. Uh, We also get our only shot of Bran in this trailer really talking to uh, Sam, or at least having conversation with Sam. There's a little bit of voiceover here that does not feel like he's talking to Sam. It almost feels like he's talking to John, or basically says that all of your decisions have brought you here to this moment. Um, There's a lot to be revealed there.
0: Yeah, but then there's a pause, and he says home. Yeah. 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 Which would seem to support your idea that he's talking to John.
1: It seems like it. I mean, we know that, given everything that we've seen, uh, the audience knows way more about John than John knows about himself. And so now one of the big dramas in this final season is going to be John finding out his own identity. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of a weird thing about storytelling, right? Like... When we watch something, we often learn along with the characters, right? Because um, we're kind of in their perspective. And in this show, for the most part, if you hadn't read the books, it was like you were learning along with the characters. But now we have information that John doesn't have, and we need to see how that information affects him. It's an interesting trick in storytelling that they're going to have to pull. And I don't know how that's going to impact John, which yeah. is that that to me has always been. Uh, has always been kind of an interesting aspect of it. Like, wh- like, how is he gonna? Who's gonna tell him? I feel like Bran probably would tell him. Sam seems most likely, though. I don't know.
0: Right. Um, does Sam know?
1: Sam knows after season seven, where he was with Bran, right. and they had that whole flashback to Rhaegar and Lyanna. Right.
0: Well, knowing a character's secret um, and such, like a tragic secret, reminds me of Oedipus Rex. And that mm. guy did not have a good ending, <laughs> So I'm a little bit worried for John.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and Sam looks a little bit disheartened in mm. that shot that we see of him. So I don't know if that's, you know, it, it, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's like, hey, uh, just so you know, Ned wasn't your dad. Uh, his sister was your mom. And the chick that you're banging, her brother is your dad. Yeah. Cool? go fight the dead.
0: (laughs) I can see Bran and Sam like drawing straws to see who has to tell him. Right. Like flipping a coin.
1: Well, one of the things about Bran is like I'm curious if he's going to be able to reconnect with this humanity.
0: Mm. I feel like no.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like he's going to have to. I feel like for the survival of the living, I feel like he's going to have to.
0: Do you think he's so detached that he's apathetic? Because I see him in his role as that he knows so much that he can't interfere now.
1: Yeah, I you know what, that's the way I saw it last season was apathetic, where like he basically said, Like, I'm not I'm not a Stark, I'm not anybody. Right. Like he is simultaneously everybody and nobody. It's it's something that that Carrie and I had talked about last season, where like if you as a being, as an individual being, if you exist with your memories, that's your own identity. But what if you exist with everybody's memories? You know what if you're what if you're in every moment at all times? Right. Then who are you?
0: You're everybody and
1: nobody. Yeah, you're everybody. Yeah. But so you're not an individual person. Right. But I'm curious if Bran is going to have to reconnect with his own identity because he has. I mean this this eighth season. There's so many layers to it and so many complications with all the different character interactions that are going to take place. And I feel like he's going to have to reconnect with his humanity at some point. Yeah. Bran has enormous power. Just curious how he's going to wield it.
0: That's going to be really interesting to watch.
1: So we also get a shot of a kid. We we don't really know who it is. He's watching um, an army arrive at Wintervale. This is Jon and Daenerys. Uh, I assume this is probably from the first episode. Uh, this was very reminiscent to me of young Bran watching... As Robert Baratheon approached in the first episode of the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I think we're going to continue to see a lot of parallels there. Mm
0: -hmm. Wait, but if they're setting it up that way on purpose, that's weird. So Daenerys is the new Robert Baratheon?
1: Well, I don't know. I think it's more... I don't know that it's like directly gonna follow that story I think it is that kind of rhythmic thing to it okay like you know in the same way that that Ned's father rode to King's Landing on a king's request Ned himself went to King's Landing on a king's request okay it did it you know they both ended up dead but like there are those kind of, that kind of rhyming style that Game of Thrones tends to sure. have. Sure, okay. Like so I don't you know that it necessarily means something for the characters, but I think we're going to see a lot of homages back to that first episode, into that first season.
0: Like a bookend. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, Kind of cool.
1: like, that's where we were, and this is where we are.
0: Oof, we've grown so much.
1: And a pretty epic shot of Jon and Daenerys riding into Winterfell together. Mm-hmm. Which I really, really dig. And, of course, the costume work on Daenerys, amazing here. This is a little bit different than what she wore in the final episodes of Season 7, where she had that really killer costume with that dragon spine on the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is similar, but a little bit different. Jon brooding, as always. Mm-hmm. We get to see Sansa looking at some dragons. She she seems to be uh, pretty impressed.
0: Absolutely. I'm really interested to see where Sansa's character is going to go, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, because I feel like her character has gone through i mean her character has gone through so much, but she's also been very perceptive in learning to play the game mm-hmm. you know, even back into season two, and only only in rewatching episodes have I picked up on how astute she was as early as the earliest episodes of season two.
0: Right, right.
1: Where do you think that she will end up?
0: I'm not sure. I have this theory because there always has to be a Stark in Winterfell, and I don't really identify Jon Snow as a Stark anymore, even though he has, you know, Mm Lyanna's blood. Like, so I think, I, I don't know, but I think Sansa will rule over Winterfell.
1: So you think she will remain the Lady of Winterfell? Yeah, I like that idea, and and there is kind of some some evidence within the show to back that up. If you look at the fact, like you said, Jon is technically a Targaryen, even though mm-hmm. he does have Stark blood. Uh, in addition to that, you also have Arya, who is identified as no one. Right. You have Bran, who's identified as no one, and everybody else is dead. So like, yeah. she's the only one who's kind of carrying that that Stark identity. Uh, with them so strongly. Exactly. And I think that is a a good thing for her. Now, I don't know if it's in this scene, but I do feel like this trailer's thrown some visual trickery at us uh, with the dragons flying over top uh, of Winterfell. But I'll talk about that in just a second because I think that we get a little bit more. Uh, And then also we get a shot of John again looking... Very sad, as always. Uh, and then Daenerys in the crypts of Winterfell. And I assume this is the revelation, right? This has to be the aftermath of that revelation of Jon's identity.
0: I I think so. That's definitely how I read it. And I love that she put her hand on his his arm and, like, it seemed to evoke, don't worry, we'll still bone. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, like, think of, like, I, it's so strange to think of, like, this story, when you go back and you look at season one and now we're in season eight and like Daenerys Targaryen and Jon Snow are standing in the crypts of Winterfell. Yeah. You know, with this, with, with the full knowledge potentially of this great mystery, one of the greatest mysteries of the show. Right. Uh, like it, it, it's just kind of an innocuous shot in a trailer, but it's a moment that will mean everything to Jon's character and probably to Daenerys as well.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so interesting to see how much of this trailer um, plays up to the significance of the crypts of Winterfell, like the bones of Winterfell. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and then, of course, we do get some interesting uh, voiceover by John that we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, we also see Gendry looking jacked for this Gendry! season. Yeah, apparently all that running in season seven <laughs> uh, helped him... Get in good shape. I like this idea. He's a blacksmith. They have dragon glass. They need weapons. You can kind of do the math on that, yeah. and it looks like that's what he's going to be doing. Uh, wouldn't it be cool, though, if he is able to take that dragon glass and to forge Valerian steel?
0: Oh my god. That like, would be so awesome. Right.
1: That would be pretty epic.
0: Yeah. Wait. But how can. The Valerian steel doesn't. I'm, like, I'm so excited about his theory, I can't even speak. But don't you have to have, like, magic.
1: To forge it. I, I mean, it's a little bit it's a little bit mysterious as far mm-hmm. as how Valerian steel is forged. Because yeah. I don't think anybody's really been able to do it. There was the blacksmith who took Ned Stark's sword and made it into two swords. But that's not necessarily... That's like a little different process. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that that having the dragonglass, it could be something where he's able to be the first person in centuries to be able to do this.
0: That would be so cool.
1: And it would be made even cooler by the fact that he is a Baratheon who were the sworn enemies of the Targaryen dynasty towards the end.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just want to throw this out there, and I know I'm getting a little far away from the conventional path here, but what if Bran tells him? He's like, oh, by the way, this is how you make Valyrian steel. Right, yeah, like,
1: <laughs> he's looking through, like, an old recipe book, and, like, yeah. he goes back in time as a tree in a outside of a blacksmith shop.
0: But I have full confidence in Gendry that he can figure it out. Ancient (laughs) sword
1: recipes.
0: Gendry knows what's
1: up. Gendry knows what's up. And you know, that's... Man, another thing about this too is that there are so many reunions that need to happen. Like, Mm -hmm. Arya alone has a lot of reunions heading her way in the season. And one of the things that I kind of regret that season seven didn't do a better job of because season seven, they send Jon and Gendry and the Hound on this like journey up north and the three people that Arya is closest to are there. Those are the three. Like... I would have just liked a conversation about Arya, just to hear her name come up, just because yeah. she is so important to those characters. And I really think the show missed an opportunity to set the stage for those reunions.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Do they know, do each of those characters know that the other one knows Arya?
1: Well, I mean, they would have spent weeks on a boat together, so they, they would have had to have known. Yeah. You know, they would have had to have had the conversation come up.
0: Yeah, like, hey, John, I was hanging out with your sister for like a year.
1: Right, right. yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I saved your sister's life. Your sister saved my life. Yeah. Your sister didn't kill me when I needed her to kill me after I broke my leg, after the one chick bit my ear off. Like, all of those <laughs> things. But think about it. Like, Arya's going to see Jon, which is the most exciting potential reunion For sure. ever. And I'm sure that's going to happen. That might happen in the first... 10 minutes
0: if it doesn't i will scream right we will all revolt
1: right um but then Arya and gendry who they had their uh bond on the road Arya and the hound yeah. you know these are all people that she's gonna be reunited with in this season so i think this is a season of reunions as well For sure. like you look at the fact that there's only six episodes and that's a lot of storytelling time but damn they got a lot of story to tell they got a lot they of loose do. ends to tie uh, we also get a shot of Jorah Mormont uh looking like he is, you know, he, well he's on horseback, apparently looking off into the distance. This all looks like battle prep for whatever's about to go down at Winterfell. And what I was looking at in that shot, if I'm not mistaken, it's a little hard to tell. I actually think Jorah has the Valyrian steel sword that Sam stole from his father.
0: Oh, awesome.
1: It's a little hard to see, but I do think he does have Heartsbane, which was stolen by Sam. And Sam doesn't really have much need for it because he's not not a big fighter. Although he is Sam the Slayer. He has taken out a Thin (laughs) and a White Walker. So, um, you know, we also get, you know, all the while we get another shot of Grey Worm and Missandei. They're making out. I feel like I feel like these are two characters who... uh, They're almost too happy and in love to survive.
0: Oh, no. I I, Like, you said that and I felt it. I think you're right. They're going to go.
1: Or I feel like one of them will survive. You know, (gasps) I I don't... don't, Like, I feel like... I don't know. There was an Entertainment Weekly article that came out about uh, the Battle of Winterfell episode... Which uh is directed by Miguel Sapochnik, who did the Battle of the Bastards, and he also did the Hard Home episode. He's one of Game of Thrones' most talented directors. He has two episodes in the final season, episode three and episode five. But apparently, this Battle of Winterfell, I don't know when it's gonna take place. My assumption is it's gonna be episode three. Uh that a lot of beloved characters are left dead in this Winterfell episode. I don't know what a lot means, and I don't know what beloved means, but uh, I think we're heading to a very dark place. And that's what this trailer is establishing, is the stakes.
0: Absolutely. I don't know, I think it's interesting because in every season it's been episode 9 that has been like the big episode, and episode mm-hmm. 10 has been the wrap-up. So you said he's directing episode 5, so... I don't know if the Battle of Winterfell is going to be episode three, then what's going to be episode five? Right,
1: I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to to play out the logic of it. Like, just, uh, like, I'm almost trying to predict it by map. Like, does the Knights King and his army have this battle at Winterfell? Do they defeat, does Winterfell fall and the army of the dead keeps moving south? Or does John and Daenerys' army end up Winning and then they move south. I don't know what that looks like right. because it feels like you have two villains this season. You have the King's Landing villains and you have the Army of the Dead. Right, and I don't know how that's all going to get resolved.
0: Yeah, and this trailer is—it seems to be all about the Army of the Dead
1: mm-hmm.
0: and whatever happens at Winterfell. It doesn't really go into whether or not they go south even though we see Cersei at, um, at King's Landing.
1: Right, yeah. So. Uh, we see some shots of Jaime Lannister fighting. Uh, there's a really great shot of Jaime kind of along the battlements of Winterfell with, you know, fire in the background. And, like, if that's the visual aesthetic that we're going to get this season, I cannot wait, because that <laughs> is a gorgeous shot. We also get some shots of... The throne room in King's Landing, which is uh, conspicuously very empty and what looks to be Euron Greyjoy and maybe this guy from the Golden Company talking to Cersei while she sits on the throne. Again, the atmosphere in here, very, very dark. And all the while, as I'm talking about these shots that we've had in the trailer, John's talking about how our enemy doesn't, you know, they don't, they don't rest, they don't tire, they don't, and they don't feel. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, the kind of musical cue ends on a shot of Cersei. As a, you know, so talk about how the enemy doesn't feel. And then a few beats later, the music stops and it's a shot of Cersei with her wine glass. And I almost feel like it's, it's setting up the fact that the army of the dead is not the only threat here. That maybe Cersei is as big a threat.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. Like you see that smirk that she gives us when when the the camera lands on her. Oh my god. Yeah. I am not prepared.
1: Yeah, and there, there's a, there's a whole lot of subtext going on in this shot of Cersei that we get because the question is, is she about to drink wine? If she's pregnant. Now, Cersei does not seem like the type who's going to care yeah. about drinking while Did pregnant. Do they
0: have that warning? Back I don't then?
1: think so. I feel like it's probably like 1970 <laughs> when that came around, where everybody's like, oh, cigarettes and martinis. It's fine. Have a baby. But that's how you
0: make a baby, actually.
1: But I feel like it could be. <laughs> that's how you make a baby. Uh, I feel like it could be indicative of something else because. The other thing that we see here is she is not wearing the black that right. she's been wearing. She's wearing a different color here. She look almost looks like she has tears in her eyes. Um, if Cersei is pregnant, which we were led to believe at the end of last season that she was, has she now lost this baby? And is that... What, what, what are the implications of that? Because Cersei's only redeeming value is her love for her children uh, and maybe the only hope at any kind of not even redemption because I don't think she's capable of that but of her living with any kind of constraints would be this potential child and with that then what
0: right well it's also interesting because it it makes me think of the poison that she almost drank in season two you know even though that was a vial So, I I don't know. She has a thing for poison.
1: So, do you think that it's possible that that glass is not filled with wine? That she is maybe seeing the potential end of what's coming?
0: I think... I think that possibility is very small, but I think it does evoke that on purpose. Mm. Because she's in plain clothes. She seems almost vulnerable here.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. So... That's an interesting distinction that you're making too, because the other shot we see her in the trailer, she's wearing that black suit with the, the like the armor on the shoulders, so yeah. it is like armored Cersei almost. Yeah, and now we're seeing a very vulnerable, stripped down Cersei, and I don't know what that means. Right. You know, I don't even know where exactly she is here. Yeah. Because it is a very uh, simply lit room that does not look like any kind of royal chambers at all either. Right. So I'm not quite sure where all that's heading. You know, like she still has wine or something <laughs> in a glass, but uh, I don't know. This this again leaves a lot of questions. Yep. Yeah. But I am excited that, like, as much as I hate Cersei's character, I there's still something about her that I managed to respect, and like, I love Lena Headey's performance so much.
0: Absolutely. It's hard for me to hate her. She's a horrible person, horrible, but so badass. Yeah. And you understand, you know what? I'm, I'm getting away from it. All I'm saying is, I'm not anti-Team Cersei. Please cut all of this
1: out. <laughs> so you're, you're in favor of Cersei and burning your enemies and torturing <laughs> them. That's fine.
0: Daenerys also burns her enemies, That's though. true. This is a That's very true. conflicting world for women.
1: <laughs> That's true. Hey. That's the great thing about it, is no matter who your favorite character is, they've all done horrible things.
0: Exactly. It levels the playing
1: field. It does. It does. Absolutely. Uh, We also get the shot of uh, Arya seeing what I assume is probably a dragon overhead, although secretly I hope it's a shot of her seeing John for the first time. Although with all the people in Winterfell running behind her, (laughs) I don't think so. It's more of a Godzilla moment than it is the heartwarming reunion.
0: What if it's John on a dragon?
1: Then it's just epic. It's just epic. Uh, we get a shot of Grey Worm, again, preparing for battle. We also hear the voiceover of Jamie talking about fighting on the side of the living. Um, John at the heart tree in Winterfell. Uh, this is really great because it kind of evokes John taking his Night's Watch vows back mm-hmm. in the first season. Yeah. Um, you know, it's also the same place where Ned Stark stood and where he polished his sword and, you know... Brand uses it as part of his Weir- weirwood connection that he has. So again, this is a lot, a lot for John. Like, what do you think of John's story? Like, what, like, how is he going to react to all of this? Be- finding out about his identity, if being thrust into leadership, and having to, to basically be the commander in this battle for existence.
0: Yeah. Well, I think Brand kind of nails it. Like, everything has led to this point. And I don't think John doesn't strike me as the type of character that would be like, oh, this is too much, you know, and give up. I think he, he's going to throw himself into it and try to win. Mm. Um, I, I don't know where his story is going to go, though, whether or not he is going to win. If he, is he going to die? I don't know.
1: Like, is John a character that can never find happiness?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think his story is meant to be tragic. Like I was talking about with Oedipus Rex, like
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's meant to be tragic.
1: Right. From the moment he left Winterfell, he even says this a couple seasons ago where he talks about how he's been fighting ever since he left. Yeah. And he has been... You know, whether it was fighting with wildlings or fighting the dead or, you know, doing all these different things that he's done, fighting at the wall in the Watchers on the Wall episode, like so many battles that this guy's been in, like he can never just take a day off.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Nothing would make me happier than seeing John like with Daenerys and their little dragon babies, you know, even though it's incest, whatever, get over it. (laughs) You know, nothing would make me happier than that. But I don't see his story playing out that way.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I want I want it for John though. I want yeah. him to be the hero of this story. I want him to be the Aragorn of this story. For sure. uh, but his his arc does feel more tragic than that. Yep. Like he that he is this kind of like legendary hero. You almost get the. But what I do like is he is becoming the legend of this era. Like, Ramsey Bolton actually said it. Like, the kind of myth of Jon Snow growing as this great warrior. Mm-hmm. And now, like, this is it. This is the culmination of that. Right. But how he responds to these revelations that are about to come his way. Like, there's a lot of pressure on, on Jon this season.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, we also get a shot of the Hound. Uh, You know, looks like this is the siege at Winterfell, and who knows what he's about to do, but he sees there's fire behind him, he's mm-hmm. afraid of fire, don't know where this leads. Fire bad. Uh, and then, of course, we do have that, you know, I, I talked about uh, Jamie with the dialogue about fighting for the side of the living, Jamie saying that he intends to keep that promise, and this, to me, is one of the more interesting storylines of season eight, potentially, is... Where does Jamie start? Uh, Jamie um, Lannister land when he reunites with these Starks? Like he's heading to Winterfell, and he's heading there to fight for the for the living, but yet he pushed Bran out of a window. Mm-hmm. He killed Daenerys' father. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know that he's necessarily going to be welcomed with open arms.
0: Right, the Kingslayer.
1: Like I'm wondering if what we're seeing here is this like. Potentially Jamie on trial and he's in a room full of guards. Like, who's he standing in front of? Who's he telling this to?
0: That's true. That's a good point.
1: Uh, I do 100% believe, though, since it does look like Jamie. Well, he's Jamie is definitely in the Great Hall at Winterfell. 100%. You can tell by the windows in the background. But, you know, is he talking to John? And I, I do 100% believe there's that great handshake between John and Jamie in episode two of season one. And I fully believe we're going to see that happen again.
0: Nice. I don't know. John has a history of forgiving what he can. Right. In traitors, people who have hurt his family. Like Theon. Like Theon, exactly. So I could see him maybe not being happy about it, but being like, yeah, okay, we could use you.
1: You Well, yeah, because you feel like John's all about putting past grievances aside. Right. But... Daenerys is not exactly like no. that. And this is the dude that killed her father. But he was the Mad King, so...
0: Yeah. It's interesting to me, and that's a whole other topic, but the loyalty that Daenerys feels towards people who she's never really met, you know? Right. Like, that's that's another interesting thing.
1: Like, I'm assuming in my head that this scene maybe takes place in front of Daenerys, Jon, Tyrion. So you have Tyrion and Jaime oh. and how they had their last encounter... You know, together? Is Tyrion there to advocate for Jamie? You know, what does this look like? Because you also have, you know, Bran is in Winterfell and Jamie will be there. Yeah. So how will Bran react to the guy who pushed him out the window? Like.
0: Right. Maybe that will be the thing that gets Bran back in touch with his humanity.
1: Maybe. Maybe he won't blame Jamie for it. Maybe getting pushed out of that window was always destined to happen. And that is just the thing that unlocked his ability as a green seer, you know like maybe
0: that's so deep man it's <laughs> so deep
1: and then but here's the other part of this that i do like the other potentially great aspect of jamie's story uh, i've said before on this show i don't see jamie making it out of this series i feel like he committed like even though like the murder of john aaron is kind of the opening kind of uh violent act that kind of triggers this whole thing i feel like he committed the original sin
0: Oh, for sure.
1: Like, by pushing Bran out the window. That's the original sin of this show. And yeah. I feel like that always needs to be, like, he needs to face consequence for it.
0: Yep, absolutely. And
1: um, I think along that, he will find redemption along that path, but it still ends for him. Yeah. Um, and I also believe that, like, look at the reunions, not only that with, with Jamie having to meet Daenerys for the first time, and Jon after everything that's gone on there, and the full circle of their relationship. But then there's also Brienne is there too. Oh yeah. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And then how amazing would it be though? Because we do apparently Jamie ends up fighting in this battle at Winterfell, right? Yeah. So how amazing would it be if he gets to keep his oath of protecting the Stark girls by fighting for them at Winterfell?
0: That would be awesome.
1: Like, him and Brienne potentially fighting side-by-side side, protectors of the Stark girls. Like, I think that's a really cool... That's a hell of a way for him to go out if that does happen.
0: I just got chills. Yeah. Listen, listen, that's fine and I'm all for it, but I still want to see a love triangle between Jamie, Brienne, and Tormund.
1: Yes, yeah. <laughs> and that's another great part of it, too. You could have Tormund down there, and then, like, Tormund being jealous of Jamie, or Jamie being jealous of Tormund, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, like, the character interactions are going to be so much fun to watch. For sure. Uh, we do get a shot of John kind of running head-on into battle, because that's what he does. <laughs> There's also a shot of uh what looked to be galloping feet, and it looks like horses... My thinking is it may not be horses. I know that some people have said that they can see what look like wolf legs in this shot, um, and maybe Ghost is in the shot somewhere, and maybe those aren't horses at all. Maybe those are all dire wolves, like a direwolf army, maybe potentially coming into play.
0: Oh my god, that'd be awesome!
1: Could you imagine Ghost and Nymeria leading an army of dire, dire wolves onto the battlefield? Oh my god. I mean, again, I'm just kind of... It's its more like wishful thinking at this point, but it's all stuff that could legitimately happen in this season.
0: <laughs> I'm invested in this, this storyline that we've now invented.
1: <laughs> right? With, like, armies of direwolves yeah. and, like, headless Ned Stark <laughs> exactly. running through the crypts of Winterfell. Man, they should have let us write the season eight. Uh, and then, of course, we have everybody kind of heading towards the doorway, so it looks like Winterfell may fall. Uh, don't know. We also have John and Daenerys kind of approaching the dragons. Awesome, the way she's walking towards uh, Drogon and Rhaegal is kind of off to the left there, giving John a little bit of a look, kind of a puppy dog look, saying, hop on, buddy. <laughs> and then we also have a shot of um, Arya, and we get another shot of... Uh, we got a shot of Sansa, and then we had a shot of Arya. And this is Arya like we've never seen her before. This is full-on battle mode Arya, which we've never seen. We've seen her do one-on-one fighting, but nothing like this.
0: Oh, I'm excited. She is a badass, and I cannot wait to see her tear through her enemies. Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's going to be so... It, like, that's going to be rewarding in and of itself, right? right? And it looks like she's, like, fighting with a staff. It's not a weapon that I've ever really seen her fighting with before.
0: Uh, Didn't she, though?
1: I mean, what she was learning and right. like the, the face with the faceless men, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a great interview with Maisie Williams where she talks about how tiring the whole thing was filming this big battle sequence that she's in, so.
0: Well, I can imagine. Yeah. I'd make it through like one person and be like, okay, I'm done.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we get a few other shots of uh, Daenerys looking sad, Tyrion looking concerned, Jorah. You know, kind of looking off in the distance, and then we get the final shots of Podrick, Brienne, and uh, Jorah as we see the Night King and the Army of the Dead approaching. And uh, man, I- again, this is—it it feels consequential, right? It feels like your character, your favorite characters, are in ja- in danger here.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. To see them on the front of the lines, like, oh, are they are they going to be the first to go? I the stakes are high.
1: They are. And yeah. and the trailer does a great job of like evoking that.
0: Yeah, right? absolutely. Like,
1: we know that a battle is coming. So I don't think this trailer spoils very much. Right. Like we know we know what's remaining. We know the the dramas that have yet to unfold. We just don't know how they're going to unfold because now all these characters are going to be crossing paths. And now it's it's the collision. It's the literal collision of characters. It's the collision of life versus death and its resolution. And uh I think this trailer does a really great job of not giving that stuff away. Absolutely. So who is your favorite character within this story?
0: Oh my god. I love all of them for different reasons. Okay. I'd have to say Jon Snow, probably. Really? I feel like this is his story.
1: I, I feel that way too. I who's, feel that way too.
0: Who's your favorite character?
1: Yeah, I I'm I've I've said from the very beginning I'm a Jon Snow guy. I love Jon. Jon has uh I don't know. He he just has the best moral compass of anybody. Doesn't always make him make him somebody who makes the right decision, but I think he's he's a great character. And as somebody who promotes a lot of opportunities for women in your comedy, uh, what do you think about the way that women are depicted on the show?
0: I think it's. I know there's been a lot of controversy. Some people say that there's too much. Rape and and these women are thrown in, you know, hastily and ill thought out. And I don't think that's true at all. I think they're given very real stories um, that fall in line with the human condition. You know what I mean? I also think it's really interesting because I know um, George Martin was giving an interview and somebody asked him. They were like, "I noticed that you write women really well and really different. And where does that come from?" And his answer was brilliant. He said, "You know, I've always considered women to be people, <laughs> <laughs> and I love that because." We forget when talking about it, and that's, that's truly the thing that we all share in common, is that we're all people. Right. We all relate to the human condition, and I think he depicts those characters very well. They all have joy, sorrow, triumph, hardship, and they all make very human decisions throughout it all. Right. And I love it.
1: Yeah, and a lot of them are exposed to severe trauma and cruelty as well.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: But that's also, like, there are a lot of people that are exposed to trauma on this show, as, you know, and regardless of, you know, what gender they are.
0: Yeah, it was a hard time to live through, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's also kind of like that that, there's that kind of cliche of the strong female character, you know, as, yeah. the, like, the implication being that, you know, female characters who are naturally weak unless they're depicted as strong... Um, which I think this show really kind of bucks that trend. It just has female characters. I mean, you could you could make Brienne of Tarth a male character, and her arc wouldn't be that much different.
0: Right, absolutely, you know? yeah. To play devil's advocate, I do kind of understand, because it's almost saying that you can't have strong women unless they're put through hardship. Right. Um, I do get that critique. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's an equal opportunity hardship Person, right, you know what I mean. Right. John is stronger because of the hardship he goes through. Right. Bran is stronger. Uh, Jamie is stronger. You know, so it's not just the women. I think when you're put through trying circumstances or trauma, you do become strong, or it it kills you in the end. Right. Which is kind of a sad note to end on. I'm changing my answer. I like Arya. Arya is my favorite one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. What about what about Arya?
0: Um, I she. She just keeps getting back up. You know, it doesn't matter how many times you knock her down. You can take her sight. You can kill her dad in front of her. You can take her best friends and her sword. But she will still come after you and slit your throat. Yeah. And that's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. I do, I mean, like, I I kind of feel like all the speculation for years and years of how Cersei will eventually be killed on the show because i feel like everybody kind of expects her to die i feel like it i know a lot of people like the Valencar prophecy and have it being have it be jamie but i feel like it's it's gotta be aria yeah i feel like that's that's one that aria has to get
0: can you remind me what the Valencar prophecy is
1: uh the Valencar prophecy was um that a younger more beautiful person was going to uh, cast Cersei down and she was going to be strangled by her uh, little brother.
0: Oh. Who she always, I guess,
1: thought was Tyrion. Right. But the kind of more popular theory is that it's actually Jaime in, in some
0: I respect.
1: Now, that was left out of the show. It's still very much in the book because it was like part of the whole Maggie the Frog prophecy. Right. Which so like it was almost in two parts and the show and they never did the second part of it.
0: How cool would it be if Sansa becomes uh Cersei's successor?
1: Yeah, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Oh, another thing that we didn't talk about in this trailer that I do want to touch on quickly. Um there are those shots of the dragons flying uh you know, there was the shot over Winterfell, but there's also a shot of the dragons flying, you know, it looks like in the north somewhere. My bet on that is that those shots were digitally altered to remove John and Daenerys from Dragonback. No way. I think think John and Daenerys are flying dragons in that scene, and I think they have removed them digitally from the scene to not spoil the the moment. That's fair. They've done it before. They've done it in two other trailers. They did it last year. They digitally edited The Night's King out of one of the trailers. And... Uh, Back in season five, they deleted Tyrion out of one of the trailers because they didn't want to show Tyrion alongside Daenerys.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: They've done it before. I think they're doing it again. Uh, I I do have some big questions about it. Like, where the hell are they going in the Great White North that, uh, you know, you assume that the battle is south. So those big snowy mountains all look beyond the wall to me. So I'm not quite sure. Like, I, I don't know that that's just some... Dragon flight that they're going on, you she know. Just
0: let her dragons loose for a day. Right? It's like,
1: like... in Westeros, where they just are flying over Crovasus. Yes. But I don't know. I think that I think that's one of those things that's going to happen. I want to see John ride the dragon, uh, not in a sex way like when they did on the boat. But more in like an actual literal dragon and John on Dragonback with ghost behind him. That would make it even cooler. Oh
0: my god! Oh my god! That'd I want to see that spinoff. Ghost and and Regal.
1: I feel like we've come up with a pretty solid season eight <laughs> in the course of this podcast. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. Headless Ned.
1: Yeah, Headless dire Ned. Direwolf army and then Direwolf and dude on the back of a dragon. Yeah.
0: Well, no, I want to see like the friendship tales of Ghost and Regal. yes yeah they're just buddies
1: yeah i'm a dog he's a dragon oh no we kill
0: whites together hey
1: (laughs) yeah uh but overall i thought this was a very satisfying trailer trailer what did you think
0: yeah absolutely um i enjoyed every minute of it i cannot wait for episode one i'm excited
1: yeah i think this trailer did a great job of that i think that uh I don't care if I see another trailer, to be honest, do you?
0: Really? No, I want more. (laughs) I just want another one to be released every hour from (laughs) now until (laughs) April.
1: Well, there was the big Entertainment Weekly spread that, like, I always recommend reading Entertainment Weekly stuff with a little bit of caution because they tend to be pretty loose with spoilers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also feel like in Season 8, we kind of know what the big set pieces are already. Yeah. They were teed up at the end of last season. So uh, I don't know that there's necessarily... Like, the end game, I guess, would be the stuff that's worth kind of being concerned about, but...
0: I don't know. I think, like you said, the we all know what's going to happen. There's going to be battles. There's going to be facing off with Cersei's men eventually. But I think the the suspenseful parts are going to be how the characters come back together and how they treat each other moving forward.
1: And what is your end game prediction for... Uh, Game of Thrones. How do you think it winds up?
0: I think I th- I think I heard a fan theory that's like John will have defeated the Whites after many, many years and he'll be the only one left. I could see that happening. Um, but Sansa is going to be the Lady of Winterfell or she's going to be Cersei's successor. Oh my god! She's going to be Cersei's su- successor, but instead of King's Landing, she's going to be ruling from the north. Hmm. Bam! That's what's going to happen. John is going to rule over The north north. Oh,
1: so beyond the wall. Beyond the wall. He'll be like the king beyond the wall. He'll be
0: the king beyond the wall with Daenerys. No, I'm sorry. I think Daenerys is going to die. I think Cersei's going to die. I know Jamie's going to die. Wait, real quick. Can we talk about spoilers? Can we talk about if anybody releases any spoilers or episodes ahead of time or finds me on Twitter and tells me that Littlefinger's throat is going to be slit like they did last year? Alright, there's gonna be huge issues, okay? Wow. I hate spoilers so much.
1: Alright, cool. Tell the audience what your Twitter is again.
0: <laughs> okay, what are your theories? What are your predictions?
1: Um man, I really, I really don't know. Um, I know what I want to happen. I want to see John on the Iron Throne. Uh that's the mm-hmm. thing that I wanna see. I wanna see Tyrion as his hand. I wanna see oh, yeah. Arya. I want to see Arya and Gendry run off and sail uh, west. Ooh. I want Arya to to explore. I want her to be kind of out in the uncharted parts of the world yeah. with Gendry there too. Uh, I I I want Jamie. I I have a feeling my my theory has always been that Jamie and Brienne are kind of linked in a way um uh, but they're both not going to make it out one of them lives one of them dies oh, yeah. and i think jamie's always been the one who's going to die i think brienne lives to serve in the king's guard if whoever's there nice. and i think the reason why i think her main character purpose will be uh one of jamie's big concerns is that the the book of all the the heroic acts of the knights throughout the history of Westeros And his pages were never really filled out. And I think it's going to be Brienne who's going to fill in those pages for him. For the deeds that he does in this final season. Oh my god. That's how I want that to unfold.
0: Okay, after hearing that, that's how I want it to unfold as well. (laughs) That's beautiful. I love it.
1: It would be great. It would be great. But there's also... I mean, there's so many possibilities. There's so many possibilities. Like, uh, I've always felt that Daenerys is too mythical to... Mm -hmm. like it without a battle to fight, she doesn't have a purpose in the story because sure. Dario called her once a conqueror. And I think that's very true of her. Yep. And she's always been somebody like, she is always better about the chase than she is holding it. Right. You know? And maybe for her, it's it's the chase. And as, a, as kind of this big mythical kind of character, she almost deserves a mythical ending.
0: Right. Right.
1: Um, so I don't know. I I feel like she's, I, but I also feel like John is destined for tragedy too. So, you know, is is John never going to be able to love because every woman he loves ends up dead?
0: Yeah, I could see that for him.
1: You know, there yeah. there's a lot there to unpack about the kind of emotional weight of these characters and what they're going through. So, to me, I think it's easy to get into predictions on a on a broad strokes level about like, well, you know, will there even be an Iron Throne? Yes or no? But like for me, it's it's. It's actually quite a bit more difficult when you look at the characters and how they are, um, you know, how they are going to come to uh, catharsis on all these different things that they have going on. Like, what is it? What is a good ending for Bran? You know, is it becoming the three eyed raven uh, or or is this a show where all magical things end up dead? Oh, no. Like is it is it a show where magic has come back in the world and destroyed the like the good magic versus the bad magic and then we're left with no magic at the end?
0: I could see that happening too.
1: I could see that happening too. I think that's the the big question I think that's always been around for this show, books or or series is what is the ultimate end game here? Is this is this a more grim version of Lord of the Rings? Uh or is this a story about Magic re-entering the world and then leaving the world um is this a story about kind of the 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 futility of the monarchy and establishing a democratic rule yeah. you know like there's a lot of different things and i think we don't know that right you know
0: right i don't know i could see it being a story about magic coming into the world when you most need it and then fading away again
1: right and then humanity trying to band together and, you know, facing serious threats that come regardless of whatever political issues and squabbling exists facing facing the greater threat. Right. Which would be a pretty good lesson for the regular world to learn. I agree. All right. So, Angela Hamilton, where can our listeners uh, find more information about Project Thalia? Can you let them know
0: yeah uh, please find us on Facebook uh, Project Thalia DC or uh, on Twitter (laughs) but no spoilers Um, or on Instagram uh, and Thalia is spelled T-H-A-L-I-A
1: awesome what did you think of uh, sitting in for Carrie on the Nerdflix and Show podcast
0: Carrie I miss you I hope you're having a blast in Croatia but this was a lot of fun (laughs) I really enjoyed it
1: awesome well hopefully you'll be back on for uh, for some more shows I would love to do so Alright, so those are our thoughts on this Game of Thrones Season 8 trailer, but we'd like to hear yours as well, so hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at NerdFlixChill. Also, if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher, throw us a five-star review. We'd be greatly uh, thankful for that. I don't know. I always botch the outros now. Uh, Also, you can find our new episodes at LRMOnline.com. Also, at LRMOnline.com, there is a really great network of podcasts from Los Fanboys to LRM TV and the comic source as well. So definitely give all those different shows a listen while you're there. wanted to thank you guys for listening. Until next time, may the Force be with you because the night is dark and full of terrors.